Wow. So today we move into part two of today is a good day. Today is a good day because it's a day that our Lord Jesus Christ has made. Today is a good day because we have hope in Him, because He is the one that saves each and every one of us. Today is a good day because He is in this day, and we are His children. Amen. So today's message is going to be about God's love for us, and we're going to be, it's, it's going to come from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. So I would ask that you would turn to Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. And as you're turning there, I'm going to turn to Joshua chapter 24, and I'm going to read a passage of scripture from Joshua for you. It says, Then Joshua summoned the tri- all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. That's a cool word, isn't it? Shechem. It just kind of rolls out of your mouth. It's really cool. Shechem. I'll say it one more time. Shechem. But he called them to Shechem. And it says, including their elders, their elders, leaders, judges, and officers. So they came and presented themselves to God. Now, I want you to see this because Joshua is calling them and they all come. But the thing about it is, is that they come and they present themselves before God. They didn't just simply walk up. They didn't just show up. It says that they presented themselves before God. Gives us an indication that they did something other than just simply traveling from their home to meet with Joshua. And then verse 2, it says, Joshua said to the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Tari, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped other gods. But I took your ancestor Abraham from the land before the Euphrates and led him into the land of Canaan. I gave him many descendants through his son Isaac. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived on the other side or beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors or that your your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will you serve the gods of the Amorites whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. The people replied, we will never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we wandered through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. 
it was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and all the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. Then Joshua warned the people, You were not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sin. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. But the people answered Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. You are a witness to your own decision, Joshua said. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied, we are witnesses to what we have said. All right then, Joshua said, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God. We will obey him alone. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that died at, or that day at Shechem, committing them to follow the decrees and regulations of the Lord. So whenever we look at this, we see, or we should, get this and understand that God is calling, or Joshua is calling us, not to worship the idols of the of their ancestors that was beyond the Euphrates River. And we also see that it's not only the gods that was uh, you know, from beyond the Euphrates River, but it's also the gods that they received whenever they were in Egypt. But it's also the gods of the Amorites and all of the other leaders that are, are the other nations that are in the land of Canaan that they are occupied or going to occupy. So whenever we see this, and it's kind of hard for us to fathom, but we need to understand and grab a hold of this because it talks about the gods that was on the other side of the Euphrates River. Now the only way that the gods could get from the other side of the Euphrates River was they came along with Abraham. Abraham is a child of God and followed God, and Scripture tells us that he was found righteous in the sight of God. But yet we get and we understand from this that Abraham worshipped other gods. But he is telling them and he is calling them here and telling them that you must only worship God, the Lord your God, only. And only Him. Today, we look at this and we have multiple gods that we worship along with God. Now, we should say, oh me or oh my, or flash up a sign that says, ouch, because we do it. Joshua's telling the people, and he even tells him, he says, you can't do this. Now, there's a reason why he tells them that they can't do this. He says, you can't worship God alone. And the reason why they couldn't worship God alone was because they refused to destroy all those other idols. They had brought them from beyond the Euphrates River. They had carried them with them through the wilderness from Egypt. 
And they also have them now as they are occupying the promised land that God has given to them. Now, one of the worshiping God and money. We're worshiping God and this worldly system. Because we have not turned loose of all the other gods that has been given to us. We as human beings, from the time that we were born, have been taught to be self-sustainable. Right? Your mom wings you off the... She wings you as soon as she can. You got to be on your own. You got to get your food on your own. Right? Start feeding you baby food. Then from there, all in, you got to grow up and you got to go to school. From there, oh, you're on your own in school. Right? You're moving off to college. You're on your own. We constantly move and we constantly tell everybody that you have to sustain yourself. We become a God in this world society because whenever I have a crisis moment in my life, I'm the one that takes care of it. We pray to God. God frees us from it, but we take credit for it. Right? Man, you see what I did to get through that struggle? I had a good week this week. See, I was really strong, and I didn't let any of the temptations bother me. See, I did it. Instead of allowing and falling underneath Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, because of Him, through Him, I was able to sustain all the temptations I don't have my glasses on, so y'all are going to have to talk to me because you're just fuzzy faces out there. But Joshua's telling us, he's saying all these things that's been brought, that's been through your life and that's been taught to you, that you've carried with you all the way from the other side of the Euphrates River, you've got to get rid of them. And they say, oh yes, we will only serve God. I want you to see here, at no point in time did the Israelites tell Joshua that they were going to destroy all the other idols. The only way that they could only worship God alone was if they destroyed all other idols. They were not willing to destroy all other idols. Why were they not willing? Did those gods produce or perform anything for them. In this world that we live in today, why do we continue to cling to the world system whenever it has done nothing but produce heartache and pain for us? The only thing that has ever given us true freedom is Jesus Christ in the blood that he shed for us on the cross. But we continue to look towards the false gods. 
because we have yet to completely destroy them in our lives. We move them off to the side every once in a while and allow God to have total control of our lives. But as soon as there's a crisis moment, we go back to those other gods. Do this, we will only serve Him. How many times did the Israelites be captive and put back into bondage from another nation because they refused to follow God? How many times do we continue to bind ourselves with sin in our lives because we refuse to totally surrender our lives wholeheartedly to God? We refuse to do it. Moment after moment and time after time, we have these crisis moments in our lives and we turn to the false gods and to the one and true only God. We need to turn to Him. But see, today's message is about God's love. I haven't got to the passage of Scripture yet, just in case you're wondering. This is just a free portion of the message. We're fixing to get into it. What God has for us today. These are true words that we see from Joshua. And they are things that we need to see, to understand, and to grab a hold to. Do not destroy the other idols in our lives. We will continue to go to them. The only way that we can totally get rid of and only follow our Lord and Savior is by allowing Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct our every step. Jesus Christ is the only way that we can destroy all the gods that we have supplied or put into our life. But they have to be destroyed. Not just simply moved over to the side, but destroyed. Preparation. Oswald Chambers quotes this. It says, Keep your soul fit to manifest the life of the Son of God. Never live on memories. Let the Word of God be always living and active in your lives. To live fit. To live a life of righteousness, God's Word must be active within our lives. So, y'all have been waiting for me to get to the main passage of Scripture. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. I've given you plenty of time to get there, so I'm going to go ahead and read says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids 
who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The five who were foolish did not take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take, extra, to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were arose by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We do not have enough oil, or we do not have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for, some for yourself. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready with, went with went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later turned. We do not know the day or the hour of his return. I can remember all the way back to 1998. Whenever I first started my studies into the ministry to become an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene. I remember whenever I answered that call and I got this phone call from this excited man on the other side of the phone. He was all excited and bubbly and he's like, John, I am so glad that you have embarked upon this journey and your first class begins this month and this class is the theology of um, of holiness, and then he listed off of name of names of books. I believe they were four different books that I was supposed to read, and he said that your first class will meet on such and such of a day at this particular place. I'm like, yes, man, this is great. I'm all into this, and let's get this. and And I ordered all of the books, and they came in and. I picked up the book that I was supposed to read first, and it's the book of uh, you know, Holiness by H. Ray Dunning, and that book's about three and a half inches thick. Don't remember exactly how many pages it was, but I looked at that book and I was like, man, this is a good paperweight, but I have to read this. So I got into this and I read, I began to read the book. And it came time for my first class. Now this first class, I had to travel to this class and I met with other pastors that was in this travel with me as far as in studying to be ordained by the Church of the Nazarene. And there was an ordained elder pastor that was there that was teaching us. And the first class began on a Friday and it was most probably started somewhere around 5 or 5.30 in the afternoon. And this class would go anywhere from about uh, 10.30, 11, maybe even 12 o'clock in the evening. And then it would start all back over Saturday morning around 9 o'clock and it would normally run until about 5 or so and then we would go home uh, and we would start preparing for the next class. 
so as I'm there and we're in this first class, I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, these people are asking questions that, man, they never even popped into my head. Some of these guys are giving answers to these questions that's never popped into my head. At about 9.30, 10 o'clock, I walked outside and I looked up into the sky and I'm like, God, really? Am I in the right place? Did you really want me to do this? Did you really call me into ministry? And if so, why don't I have the questions or the answers that all these guys have? Well, I will have to confess. I was supposed to read two chapters of H. Ray Dunning's book. And I might have read half of a chapter. See, I was unprepared for that first class. Now, I will let you know that at the end of the three months, I took the test and I made a 94 in that class. So something sunk in. Now, you know, eventually I got it. But I want you to understand and see in the moment of that crisis, whenever I was sitting there in that class and I was hearing these guys ask these questions and I was hearing this teacher give these responses and other people adding information and stuff to it, I want you to know that whenever I heard those things, I was like, oh my goodness. What do I do now? In the moment of crisis is not the time to be prepared or to get prepared. If you're not prepared prior to the moment of crisis, you're not going to get prepared. So whenever we look at this passage of Scripture, we have this moment of preparation. It says that there's ten bridesmaids, five of them are wise, five of them are foolish. Why are they foolish and why are they wise? What made them foolish and what made them wise? The foolish ones didn't bring extra oil. The wise ones brought extra oil. They were prepared for the delay of the bridegroom. Now, Scripture never tells us why the bridegroom was delayed. It's unimportant on why the bridegroom was delayed. At the end of it, it tells us that we must be prepared because we do not know the day nor the hour of the return of our Lord and Savior, the bridegroom. We don't know when he's coming back. We just know that he's coming. So you're either going to be part of the five, that's the foolish bridesmaid, because you're not prepared for the return of Christ, or you are going to be part of the wise bridesmaid, those five, that are prepared to be a part of that, of that per parade. So how do we become prepared? In this process, we look at this, I was given specific instructions. Read two chapters of H. Ray Dunning's book on holiness. I read half a chapter. Not prepared. 
God has given us things and he has given us decrees and things that we are supposed to do that is going to prepare us for the walk that he has for us so that whenever he does come back that we will be part of the wise group and we will be welcomed into the bride's feast or the wedding feast. So what is this? Well, I can tell you what it's not. It's not by worshiping other gods. It's by worshiping God Almighty alone. The only way that we can do this is with Jesus Christ living within us, guiding and directing our lives, and following the steps of the Holy Spirit that is in us. As it teaches us, how it guides us, how it comforts us, how it strengthens us. And yes, by living through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the only way that we're going to be able to do this. We have mixed age groups in here this morning. Some of you might be dating. Most of you have already... You're done with your dating process. But the thing about it is, is that whenever we're looking for our mate as we're dating or we're looking for the one that we're going to marry or that we're married with now, how many of you made the statement that if I marry so-and-so, I'm going to be happy? Or if I marry so-and-so, I'm going to have a better life. I need to find someone that's going to complete me. Did y'all say any of those three phrases? Some people are saying yes. See, at that point in time, that woman or that man that is going to make you complete just became your God. I love Peggy, and I want you to know, whenever I was dating Peggy, I was one of those ones, oh man, if I can marry her, man, I'm going to be the happiest man in the world. If I marry Peggy, she's going to help straighten me out. I mean, I was really bad, you know, college, uh, you know, yeah, I was waiting, I was ready for her to straighten me out, guys, it didn't happen. Your spouse or your mate can become your God if they're the ones that's supposed to straighten you out. Your relationship with God Almighty is the only thing that's going to make you complete. The hole that's within you will only be filled through Jesus Christ living in you. You can search through all types of things. And those things will become your God for any giving day or any giving moment in time. We walk this world. And our life is good. I just told y'all I had a good week, right? My life is good. I did a good job. But what about the crisis? What about the struggles? I think it was last week that I looked at my beautiful wife and I told her, yes, I can't believe I said these words, 
I think I'm going to sell the motorcycle. Because of financial difficulties. I think I'm going to sell the motorcycle. She was smart enough to come to me a couple of days later and she says, you know, she says, I'm mad. She said, I finally have the clothes to be able to wear the motorcycle in the winter and now you're going to sell it. But see, whenever the crisis moment comes, if we're not surrendered wholeheartedly to God, we're going to reach towards something else to secure us. We're going to reach towards someone else to secure us. Hence, there's another God. For those of you that's struggling today with whether or not this country of ours is going to be in peace or it's going to be in turmoil, look to God, not to the worldly system. The worldly system has done nothing for us except for bondage us and put us into slavery. Jesus Christ and Him alone is the only thing and the only one that can and will free us. Joshua says you got to get rid of them. But we got to get rid of them before the crisis moment. Not in the midst of the crisis moment. The scripture tells us that they were foolish, and since the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy, and they all fell asleep. It's okay to fall asleep. It's not okay to not be prepared. Think about it. The disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane fell asleep. Jesus came back and he rebuked them. And then he went back off and he prayed some more. He came back and they had fallen asleep again. What did he say? Go ahead and rest. Because the task in front of you is difficult. See, it's okay for us to fall asleep, but it's not okay for us not to be prepared. So what is this preparation? What happens here? In some of the translations, it says that at midnight, whenever the cry came out and woke them up, that the bridegroom was at hand and they needed to come out. It says that they got up, they trimmed their wick, and then the wise ones filled their lamps with oil. They had brought extra, but they didn't bring enough for someone else. We can't miss it, and we can't get tied up with the fact that whenever the foolish ones asked for help from the wise ones, that they were uncompassionate, and they didn't allow them to have some of their oil. There are some things that you just can't give to somebody. And it's not the fact that the Foolish bridesmaids didn't have the money to be able to afford the extra oil because they told them, go to the shop and buy you some more. So they had money. They just weren't prepared. 
whenever Jesus Christ returns, your preparedness cannot and will not rub off against someone else that is prepared and allow them to get into the bride uh, feast as well. It's not that they didn't have compassion. It's that they're pointing out and they're making this point that what I have done can't help you. You have to prepare yourself. But let's think. How many of y'all have tiki torches in your yard? Just by raise of hands, please show me if any of y'all know what a tiki torch is. Okay, good. There's some. Okay, so a tiki torch, and you see them in the store. They're those little lamp things that you stick in the ground, and they have this bug, bug repellent stuff that's in it, and it burns, and it's supposed to repel the mosquitoes and stuff, right? So those are tiki torches. Okay, so Peggy and I have tiki torches, and we put them on our patios so that we could keep the mosquitoes away from us whenever we're sitting out there in the morning drinking our coffee. I want y'all to grab a hold of this, okay, because for two years, Peggy and I never trimmed those tiki torch wicks. Never trimmed them. So what kind of a light do you think we get? It's a flickering light that flickers like this, and smoke is billowing off of it. It is not a pure light whatsoever. I mean, we have these nice uh, you know, blinds and stuff or little, little sheer curtain things that we have on our patio that allows us to see outside and kind of gives us some privacy in there. And it's really nice and comfortable in there. By the second time that we burn these little tiki torches, those things are black. I, I thought that was the poison that kept the bugs away. But whenever we look at this, and it talks about this, and it says that whenever they trimmed the wicks of their, of their candles, what were they doing? They were trimming off all of the hard, burnt ends of the wick that was not allowing the oil to come through them. Do you get it? Do you get it? The Holy Ghost was not getting to all of their lives because some of it was burnt and dead. We have to trim our wicks. We have to have our wicks trimmed. Also, whenever you have your wicks trimmed, I want you to see this. Whenever your wick is trimmed, you have a nice, bright, pure light that is shining. The wedding feast always happened at nighttime. These ladies knew that. They knew that they had to have their lamps to be able to see their path or to see their walk as they walk in this procession, but also so that they would be able to be seen. Their lights had to be pure. They had to be trimmed so that it was bright and a pure light that was shining off so that they could see and they could be seen. There's also something else that you get whenever you trim your wick. If you have a nicely trimmed wick, it doesn't burn as much fuel as a clean wick does. Hmm. So I'd still have some tiki oil left if I had trimmed my wicks. 
doesn't take as much fuel to burn a pure light that the wick has been trimmed off of. So whenever we see that they're preparing or they're getting ready to to meet the bridegroom, they're doing everything that they can to make sure that their light is pure and bright. In our lives, we have to make sure that we do everything that we can, that we are prepared, that whenever the bridegroom comes, that our light is pure and bright, and we will be able to enter into the wedding feast. Praise the Lord. The only way that we can have a pure and bright light is if we constantly allow the Holy Spirit to trim our lives. The only way that we can get rid of the idols that would block the fuel or that would disturb the brightness of our light, that would dim the light of Jesus Christ living in us, is to allow the Holy Spirit to remove it. Because he says, we don't know the day nor the time on when this is going to happen. Many years ago, we started preaching and teaching about the return of Christ. Are you prepared? Is the Holy Spirit living in you today? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to clean your life? To trim the wick, to get rid of all the bad and all the dead stuff in our lives. I want you to see this. The foolish ones weren't prepared. They left to go get oil. While they were gone, the bridegroom comes. They come back. And the scripture tells us that they begin to knock on the gate. And the bridegroom answers. I want you to see this because the foolish bridesmaids knew exactly where the wedding feast was going to be at. The foolish bridesmaids and the wise bridesmaids knew the bridegroom. Some were prepared, some were not. They get there to the door and they knock on the gate or the door. And the bridegroom calls back and he says, I don't know you. Come on. I'm the bridegroom or I'm I'm the bridesmaid. You know me. Do you understand this? The bridesmaids knew where the wedding feast was going to be. They knew the bridegroom. They even knew the bride. But he's going to stand there and he's going to say, I don't know you. Because the person that I knew knew how important this day was. And they would have been prepared. 
They knew how important this day was for the bridegroom and for the bride. But they did not prepare for it. I read the passage of Scripture in 1 Thessalonians. It talks about the return of the Lord. And how we're going to be called up into the sky if we're left here on this earth. Are you going to be one of those ones that knocks on the doors or stands in front of Jesus Christ on judgment day and he's going to say, I do not know you. Because if you loved me the way that you said, you would have been prepared for my return. If you really knew how important this was to me, you would have been prepared. If you understood the fact that I left heaven and lived on this earth for you, so that you would be able to live with me and my Father in heaven for eternity, if you knew that, then you would have done everything to prepare yourself for this day. If you understood what it meant, you would have allowed my Holy Spirit to trim your wick so that you would have a bright and pure light. Because it's not your light that's shining. Because your light is dead. Because through me is life. Through me there is light in this world. Not me personally, but that's what Jesus is saying to us. So this morning, are you prepared today? Are you one of the foolish bridesmaids or one of the wise? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you for this message that you have given to us today. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that as we look into this and as we see the bridesmaids, but God, God, that we see the time of preparation is now, not tomorrow. It's not in the moment of crisis, but it's today. But we see the crisis. And God, we all long for you to return. But God, we also understand that in your return, there is judgment. And the judgment is is whether you're going to be prepared or not. Are you prepared for the return of Christ today? Amen. I'd like for everyone to stand. Let every head bow and every eye closed. The altar is open for you this morning. Because I 